Praise God, everyone. Uh, how are you? I trust that you are well. Welcome to our today's uh, ASL session that is after service live. And today we are going to be discussing the book of Ruth, chapter 3 and 4. In our last session, we discussed Ruth chapter 1 and 2. So if you have not watched it yet, you can go and watch it so that uh, this one will be more convenient for you. But otherwise, welcome uh, as we discuss together. Yes. Uh, my name is Zoba Nicole, and I'm a student at JQuat. I pursue a Bachelor of Science in Biostatistics, and I'll be your host today. I have with me two guests, and I would like them to introduce themselves. Uh, we can start with you. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. Um, my name is Bonface Modeni. I'm also a student here in JQuat, pursuing a course in bio- Agricultural and Biosystems Engineering. And today, I'm your guest. I love the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal savior. Yes, glad to be here. Uh, praise the Lord. Um Nyakach Henry. Um born again. Um yeah, a student here at JCOT. I pursue a course in BSc Agricultural and Biosystems Engineering. And I'm happy to be here and I'm blessed with the Lord this evening. Thank you so much. Uh we are glad to have you, me and the audience that is. We are glad to have you today as our guests. And like I told you, we are going to be discussing the book of Ruth. So wherever you are, you can just grab your Bible if you have one, uh, maybe a hard copy or a soft copy. Yeah, and turn with me to the book of Ruth. Chapter 3 and 4, and just so that there is no gap, uh, we'll begin by just having an overview or rather summary of the book of Ruth, chapter 1 and 2, before we begin uh Discussing on chapter 3 and 4. So I would like our Bonface to give us just a a short one, right? Should they call it short or small? A, a short one, overview of what chapter 1 and chapter 2 talks about, right? Yeah, all right. Yes. Well, uh, the book of Ruth chap- uh, uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 is uh, basically about these two main characters, that is Ruth and Naomi. But as it starts, we're seeing uh, Naomi and her family living and the land of Bethlehem. She had a husband, Elimelech, and two sons, um, Achillion and Malon. However, the land of Bethlehem uh, faces a tragedy of drought. So the whole family uh, vacates and goes to work abroad at a country called Moab. While in Moab, Naomi faces calamities, they may call them so, um, because she loses her husband and her two sons. These two sons, they had already married two women, that is Ruth and Opa. And when now uh, Naomi loses the men in her life, she chooses to send off uh, the two daughters-in-law so that they can go and start their lives again. However, uh, Ruth chooses to remain behind and then makes a vow of sticking with her mother-in-law. Opa, on the other side, goes back to her people. And then after that, uh, news come that uh, the land of Moab, the land of Bethlehem, the Lord has uh, remembered them and there has been harvest. So now they go back to where they came from. However, when Ruth and Naomi arrive, the whole city is stirred by uh, their arrival. And women ask, is this Naomi? Naomi says that they should not call her Naomi uh, because Naomi meant pleasant. But she tells them that the Lord has dealt really uh bitterly with her and therefore they should call her Mara. Now after these two arrive, uh, we can see them now they are starting life and uh, they do, they now they have 
problem unless her problem is food and also her hair. Now, uh, Naomi sends her daughter-in-law uh, to go gleaning. And, and luckily enough, she actually finds a farm belonging to a man called Boaz, where she does uh, gleaning, um, that is uh, collecting wheat that has been left behind by uh, the reapers. Now, while she is in the field uh, gleaning, Boaz comes and finds her. Now, he actually even invites her for food yeah, that, that afternoon. And even later on, he gives her the permission to go and continue with the gleaning and even tells her to now be, to be watching over um, uh, Boaz's uh, young women. And just Boaz instructs the young men in that particular farm not to lay their hand on on Ruth. Then now, uh, you see that was a uh, harvesting season. Uh, Ruth goes ahead with um, gleaning until the old season is over. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Yeah, so basically that is what uh, Ruth chapter 1 and 2 talks about. And uh, we divided it in like two two sections or two scenes. Uh, we, were, we were discussing and we agreed that the book of Ruth, it is very symbolical. And actually when you read it, it's like a movie. You can visualize the things that happen uh, in it. And even today, as you're going to be handling the last part, you're going to handle it in two in two sections. And so uh, we'll handle chapter three on its own and then chapter four after that. So also as we begin, I'll just like uh, maybe now Henry, you can take us through chapter three and just give us an overview of, of what it talks about so that you can know what we're discussing. Yeah, chapter, just chapter three. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Emma. Uh, chapter 3 is quite interesting because uh, after Naomi and Ruth are seemingly settling down and uh, Ruth already has a chance to go gleaning and all that, Naomi still goes back to her view that actually Ruth needs a decent life. Ruth still has more more life ahead of her and she has uh, Ruth's best interest at heart and we see her tell Ruth that now actually it's time that I found a permanent home for you, a home where you'll be provided for and you'll be cared for and uh, for a moment there we see Ruth hesitant once again because he doesn't want to leave Naomi but Naomi insists and Ruth finally agrees and say okay whatever you say I'll obey and we see Naomi give Ruth a set of instructions. Uh, she requires Ruth to wash herself, dress well, wear her best perfume. And then uh, she also instructs her to go to Boaz and wait until uh, Boaz has eaten, has drunk, and has finally slept. And that he should, she should rather lie at the feet of Boaz after that. And we see Ruth doing exactly the same. We see her go to uh, Boaz. Uh, she waits uh, patiently uh, and keenly waiting for Boaz to eat, to sleep, and finally to rest. And the Bible records it about uh, probably midnight, but Boaz went to rest. And not, sorry, not midnight, but Boaz went to rest. And then uh, at around midnight, he wakes up. And he wakes up and defines Ruth actually followed Naomi's. Uh, instructions and Ruth is lying at his feet and uh, he's pretty shocked. Who is, who is this? 
He does not know it is at first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he doesn't know it was Ruth. So uh, he goes ahead and asks, and Ruth introduces herself uh, very peacefully and calmly. And um, Boaz graciously goes ahead and uncover her, his feet and covers Ruth. And they, they lie till morning. And uh, morning, the morning, Boaz instructs Ruth that you should not tell anyone what happened. But he goes ahead yeah. and graciously gives Ruth some wheat to actually go and share with Naomi. And Naomi takes this home. And uh, Naomi is, is, is quite, um, I think she she's quite joyous at this moment because she's actually seeing progress. And you can see her actually tell Ruth that now don't worry, my daughter, for today will not end before this man settles these things. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's a pretty interesting chapter. It is. It is. I agree. And actually, uh, I'm in love with the character Naomi. And she, she's so wise. And she's godly. She she is a woman, quite a woman, I can say so. Yeah. Uh, she has foreseen these things. And even as she gives the instructions, you can see that they are very clear. You know, do this and this and this. It's like she has already foreseen what will happen. And when now she gets the reports, I'm sure she should she, she would be smiling. Or she was smiling by then. Like, oh, so it happened that way. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, so, yeah, then Bonnie can give us an overview of verse, uh, chapter four, I mean. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Chapter four is a continuation of chapter three. Uh, in chapter three, we have seen Ruth making a proposal to Boaz that uh, he should marry her. You know, when he says, uh, he, when he calls, when, when when she calls her redeemer, she says, "Stretch your wings over me." Uh, it's 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 a it's a language proposal, you know. Um, and then now this is what actually Boaz is coming to fulfill in chapter in chapter four. But before he actually does that he had told her that uh, he has in mind another redeemer who would redeem her but if he doesn't redeem her he would actually take the uh, role of redeeming her so now in chapter 4 we're seeing Boaz actually um, bringing forth a man now that's the redeemer and uh, he also calls other elders to come and witness their whole process at the gate and then uh, he tells the redeemer that Naomi who came from the land of um, Moab is actually selling his land, and uh, you know when you when you buy that land belongs to Naomi, mm-hmm. you also buy like everything else that belonged to her and her husband and children, and that includes even Ruth herself. Mm-hmm. So it's like now you know Ruth is a Ruth and uh, Naomi are widows, uh, with a man now coming to marry Ruth, mm-hmm. you know, like now restoring their their blessing. In society, so now this particular guy who Boaz had invited to uh, to come and redeem Ruth, see that he won't do what he won't redeem uh, Naomi. Sorry, Ruth, that is it. And then now Boaz, since he had said his word, now he has to keep it, and he actually now redeems um, Ruth by buying the land and and that belonged to Naomi. And now uh, that comes now, Ruth also is part of the prize. Mm. And he takes Ruth and marries her, and they are so blessed with a, with a son. Yeah, uh, the women are actually are uh, telling Naomi that the Lord has actually remembered her, and 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 and, the, and they're blessing the Lord for for that. Mm. And Naomi is also quite happy as a result of 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 that. And we can even see her taking her grandson in her lap. Like you can see, 
Joy has been restoring that family help since at first God had let with her bitterly and she was bitter. But now the Lord has brought happiness into her home through bonds. Oh, indeed, quite interesting. And now she becomes the nurse of the child. It's like a long awaited, it's like a breakthrough in the life of a believer, something you've been waiting for so much and it comes and you just receive it with joy. And it comes with godly contentment and uh, you just praise and magnify God. I think that is what happens to me. Let me talk about myself personally. When when God brings something that I've been waiting for, like I've been in a situation where I'm really hungering for something. It could be a need or any other thing. Yeah, but basically mostly I need not just maybe materialistic, but perhaps spiritual. And now when it comes in and God answers your prayer, you feel like, oh, wow. Yeah. I actually think this child was actually a very big blessing to Naomi. Yeah. Because when looking at the genealogy of Christ, this, this, this child is actually appearing. No, his name was Obed. Then this Obed became a son, became um father to Jesse. Jesse, who in turn became um father to David. And we see that Christ comes from the lineage of David. So you wonder how the other, it, uh, you find that he's like a great grandparent of Christ Jesus. Yes. And so we can see this, this is a quite a blessing. It was worth waiting for. It was. And yeah, uh, Boaz is part of what you've just been talking about. That is something that has caught my attention. Uh, when, when Boaz now, the, the, the other person who was supposed to be the redeemer, fails he says that i won't do it you find that at first he was actually willing to do it right he says that i will i will buy the land and everything but again when you look uh boaz from the last night's experience i believe he had just made it in his mind like oh i'm going to marry her and actually naomi had foreseen that and you know so just imagine uh maybe you are a man you can you are a man you can relate better you have in mind somebody you want to marry but somebody is standing on your way and you're, the, you're supposed to be the one confronting that person. And because you want to marry that lady, now you, go, you have to look for a means of convincing them not to marry her so that you, you can't be the one to do that. I, I was reading that and I thought that was his place. He wanted to, but because according to the law, the immediate kinsman uh, was the one who was supposed to first make a decision. If he won't be able to, then it will be left for him. And so he goes ahead and you can see the way he articulates the whole thing and how he approaches the matter. So he, he had resolved, he had bought the resources because he was capable of buying the land and everything. But again, he had just resolved because th this woman had just, she loved, I mean, he loved her. The woman Ruth had found favor in his sight and that is told, or rather is evident from the previous chapters you just read, you know, somebody just comes in and when you hear about her character, you know, the kind of love she has for her grandmother, which is not something that is so common. There's normally clashes between, as I'm talking about that, mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. Most of the relationships are not so good. And to hear this one, that is so much in love said that she was just willing to come and take care of her, follow her, and to do everything that uh, she would do. You know, her God will be, your God will be my God and everything. So, and then... uh he lets her, you know, just clean and gives her food. And he wakes up in the middle of the night and just finds her lying down. And, you know, she, I mean, he, he covers her and everything. So Ruth had sort of found favor in his sight. And this brings out now the love. It shows the love that he had for her. And then this brings me to our next point of discussion. Hmm. Uh, Boaz in himself, Ruth, Naomi, 
both of them have been used uh, in this book, let me just say in this book of Ruth, to bring out uh, love and the characteristics of love. Yeah, I think we just, we'd just love us to talk about love. What is love and how is it depicted using the three characters? Anything you can talk about concerning that? I think we can begin from you, Nyakach. Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you once again, Nicole. Uh, I think one thing that interests me Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a characteristic of love that they see here yeah. is patience. We see actually both the three parties are very patient. We see Naomi very patiently giving instructions, waiting for a process after process. Probably if this was an African setup, Naomi would have gone herself to talk <laughs> to boys. <laughs> And, yeah, and, and she will come back and tell Ruth, Ruth now found a man that will take you in. But we see actually she she patiently uh, desires for Ruth to step up. She doesn't push her, but very, uh, uh, very firmly uh, desires for her to step up and gives a very clear direction. We also see Ruth also portraying the same patience mm-hmm. because um, if if again if it were probably today, a lot would have happened that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sure. we see her just going and lying there. I mean, we're not told of anything else apart from her lying there, was waking up, covering her. To me, that at yeah, uh, even uh, Ruth was quite patient yeah. and she she kind of trusted the process. The same thing with Boaz. Boaz doesn't hastily take Ruth uh, because if, if you're kin, just as you said, Ruth had already found favor in the eyes of Boaz and Boaz noted Ruth on the very first day. She went to glean and, she, and he asked with this young lady, and one of the servants tells him about the lady, and uh, I believe she was. He was pretty impressed. He doesn't go to Ruth at that very moment and offer himself as the redeemer. Uh, he actually waits for these events to unfold. So I see a lot of patience in this story. Mm. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anything else? Yeah. Actually, another another one character of love which is quite explicit in this whole uh, incident uh, is that uh, love is not self-seeking. Uh, we have not seen a character who is doing anything out of self selfish ambitions um, for self, but they are all doing it for one another. Uh, like for example, when uh, Naomi is sending Ruth to Boaz, is 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 not sending Ruth to Boaz for her. But actually, for, because she's seeing that the truth has a potential of life to lead, you see, and she needs redemption, right? Um, and even Ruth choosing to live with Naomi, it was not for herself, but no, she, she chose her mother-in-law like, to be with her. We're not seeing, because her mother-in-law had something that she would benefit from. She just chose it. She, she chose out of love. I mean, not, not because of anything that would... Uh, materially or in, in any way see, seem to benefit her from uh, 
human perspective that will just hold from the heart and love. And now, even Boaz, on the other side, marrying Ruth, he didn't, he didn't marry her so out of selfishness. You can even see, despite seeing Ruth being this high-value woman, see, who has remained with her mother-in-law, who has been, who has actually is when chosen to follow the Lord of the, the Lord God of Israel. Yeah, uh, you know, like in, in modern day, uh, when a man meets such kind of a high-value woman, you don't even, you don't even think twice. Just take her home. But you can see he's he's actually willing to let to let her go to the immediate next of kin, Naomi. Still, as 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 my um co-guest has actually said, that because of that patience, he's still patient with with her, and and until uh the immediate kinsman says no 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 I cannot do that I can't re- I can't redeem her, and then now. Now Boaz comes in after following uh, the policy that maybe were in place at that particular particular age, and now he redeems the whole family of Ruth and Naomi, not for himself, but now for the love that he had for them. So we see none of the characters did anything out of self ambition, but they did it for one another, not necessarily for self. So yes, love is not self seeking. It is so, and there is an aspect of caring. So love is kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeds her and even gives her more to even they, they don't allow her to take the leftovers to her mother-in-law. And even when he wakes up and finds her in her lying uh, with her in the morning, he gives her food to go with the right. Sure, so it was food. Yeah, it was food because they were going to use it for food. Okay, uh, this brings me again to the character boys, another interesting one. And as we've been talking about uh, him being a kinsman redeemer, and actually we've seen that from what we've talked about, you know, uh, him accepting to not let uh, the the family line of Elimelech to, you know, just waste away because they, all the men in the family had died, unfortunately, the husband to Naomi Elimelech and the sons who would have maybe taken up the family name were now gone. So probably uh, without somebody coming in, uh, the family name would have just gone like that and they would be forgotten about. But Boaz accepts, you know, and he just bears it. He takes it, you know, like a burden, I can say so, in his heart. And because he was also pleased with the woman, Ruth, and decides, you know, to be a kinsman redeemer. And when we relate this, actually, uh, we can see that it relates to, to Christ in himself. If we compare ourselves now, us and Christ and now Boaz to the family of Elimelech, we can say that Christ is our kinsman, redeemer, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I, I would just like us to, to add flesh to that and just for a few minutes, yeah, talk about that, how we can relate the two. Oh, well, um, I think this is quite amazing because just seeing the gospel uh, in the whole incident, like we just seeing Boaz standing in like Christ and Ruth is there. So now let's see how this actually relates to the gospel. You know, Ruth was a Moabite. She was not a member of the family of Israel, right? Now, when you look at us, because of our sins, we were alienated from God and uh, we didn't belong to the commonwealth of Israel. So now, we're seeing now Boaz redeeming Ruth, and now she's she she now becomes like that um uh a real um or rather a legal member of the body of 
Israel, right? Than the family of Israel. Now, Christ now also did the same for us that, you know, he redeemed us. He purchased us while we were still dead in our sins. Like we, those even, I think it's in Hebrews, remember it says that uh, we have been purchased by not of the perishable, but imperishable. That's the blood of Christ Jesus. Now, we purchased from our sins and now we were redeemed. By grace through faith, we have actually been um, adopted as sons to the kingdom of God and now we've been made members of the household of Israel. There's even Paul, um, seeing him, uh, emphasizing that the, the children of Abraham are not those of uh, flesh descent, or rather are not those of uh, descent from Abraham by blood, but by by faith. You see now, like we've, been now, we've actually been made children of covenant through the sacrifice of Christ, through um, him yeah. giving himself as um, as it is the prize for our our redemption, you see. Yeah, so now we see so now we can relate this the whole thing with what was actually done to Ruth and Naomi, uh, with also what Christ has actually done for us as members of his body. Yes. Yeah, thank you. I think that is quite well expounded. So we who are once dead in, in sin and trespasses, yeah, he has now made us whole of him. Now we are alive in Christ. I think that is well expounded. And Henry, I would like you to, to talk about something else or you wanted to add to that, but he, he's well explained it. And I would just like you to talk about something else interesting about Naomi. I told you I love Naomi so much as a character. Uh, as we were looking back uh, in the previous chapters, we saw that there's a point she, she tells the women, you know, when she comes back in Bethlehem, that don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because Naomi now means pleasant. And now she's like, because of the things that have happened to her, she feels like uh, pleasant is no longer suitable for her, but she should be called bitter. That is Mara. And now uh, it happens again that in uh, in now the the verses, I think it's I mean chapter four, if I'm not wrong, where now Ruth has a child, now Ruth and Boaz, and she's happy. She takes the, the child and in her bosom and even becomes the child's nurse. And the same same women they come now and. They call her Naomi. They, they are happy for her. And at this point, you, we, we can just uh, maybe make uh, an analysis that pestilence or rather uh, what happened, let me say, okay, they were drought and death and everything. So things happened to her and she felt like pleasant was not suitable for her. She moved her name to Mita. And now things happen again and she's now better again and she's back to Naomi. Yeah. So I think this also happens in our lives. We are influenced to things. Uh, things happen and we feel like the place that God has called us to be in or what God has made us to be is no longer suitable for, for us. And we move ourselves to other things. Like I can talk about Mara just for symbolism. We bring ourselves to Mara or Maraism. <laughs> I can brand it that Maraism. Yeah. And then we find that uh, after a while, maybe through prayer, or even walking with friends in fellowship and everything, breakthrough finally comes. And this also re relates, you see, now to the, the Christian life. You can also just talk about that a bit. Okay, thank you. Thank you once again, Nicole. I think what you said is true. And we can see that throughout the character of God. We we can see, especially when you you study the book of Ezekiel, we see a lot of that where the Lord actually uh, quite condemns Israel and is like, I'll destroy you, 
I'll, I'll take you to uh, captivity, I'll do this, I'll do that. But still, we see him calming Israel and it's like, but I'll bring you back. Mm-hmm. You see, uh, at instances, it's like, you've disobeyed me, you've not taken care of the widows. And then again, he comes back and he's like, but I'll give you a new heart. So we see a lot of that in the character of God. We see it even in Job. I yeah, mean, Job even... lost everything. <laughs> yeah. Job lost everything that he had worked for. And it was it was to something public. I mean, just apart from the fact of you losing the material yeah. uh, things, you've lost your status in the community. People are now talking ill of you. People are wondering. I mean, this guy said he's a Christian. We thought that these people go to church. Where is the Christianity? Yeah, where is the Christianity? People are, uh, are quite uh, talking and, and it, it gets you. But we see uh, the Lord faithfully redeeming Job. We see him return with all that Job had lost exceedingly abundantly. So I believe such, such moments in a Christian's life are actually to point us to trust in God more. Yeah. Because it's, it's very easy for us to forget the goodness of the Lord if we just want to dwell in, in pleasantries, mm-hmm. if we just want to dwell in abundance. The Lord has to actually teach us also to dwell in, in states of less abundance, in states of need. And uh, those are occurrences that happen in a Christian life and I believe that in such occurrences, what is really needed is trust. Because you can imagine, what if Ruth did not trust in Naomi? What if Naomi did not trust in Job? Not Job, but Boaz. You see, uh, then the whole chain would have not been complete. But because there was trust, then there comes redemption. It's true. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. And just like you just reminded me of Paul talking about godliness with contentment, yeah. So you who is there, a fellow believer or maybe not a believer, but I know you will be very soon, as the Lord wills. Don't change your name from Naomi to Mara because the Lord has purposed for you to be Naomi. So just stay as Naomi and you'll see the faithfulness of the Lord. And now we are uh, going to our second topic of discussion today. And that is another interesting one called Go to the Ant. And it is an extract from the book of Proverbs chapter 6. And we'll just read it through and then have uh, discuss about it for a few minutes. Uh, it, the Bible records that from verse 6, that is chapter 6 from verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. 7. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her food in summer and gathers her sustenance in harvest. How long will you lay there, O sluggard? When, when will you rise from your sleep? Uh, let me just finish to 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon Yeah, it's, it's also an interesting uh, portion of scripture, but let me just reach there. We cannot read the whole of it. And so... The first thing I want us to talk about, we are being directed. It is like just a command or an instruction, you know, go to the ant. Uh, and actually, we are the ones who are being addressed and we're not that ants are animals. So I want us to, to, to discuss why why ants and 
what what are the characteristics of ants that you know make them unique? Why we were not told to you know go to the lion or to any other to the hen? I don't know or pigs. Yeah, but specifically ants. So what is the characteristics of ants that bring them out as unique? And what is it that they do? And how such that God would want us you know to go and imitate or maybe inquire or maybe want to be like them. Oh, well, thank you, uh, Nicole. Yes. Well, um, I think the Bible, uh, actually the Bible has pointed out clearly mm-hmm. some of these characters of ants, which we are to emulate. And I think this, these are the characters which also set them apart from the rest of insects and even the rest of, of animals. We told that uh, during uh, summer, uh, that is the time when there are no rains. There is actually sand. It's that like the harvesting season. They actually gather food for themselves and they put in their stores, so that when the rains come, when the rains come, they are already well uh, equipped with what to eat. That at that time, and then something quite interesting is that they don't have a ruler to do that. They just they just do it. Um, Naturally, without any pursuit of, uh, without following particular set of rules or even particular set of ruler who has established a uh, rule of law upon them, no, they just do it by themselves. And, and, that, and that's wisdom we see in these small creatures. I'm just trying to think the IQ of these small animals. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the IQ of this insect? And and what and and then well, just it, should, it could be I don't know I don't even I don't even know. But what they are doing portrays huge um uh kind of wisdom. You see that is that that is even rare in some of us humans. That is very yeah. true. That is how we are being told go to, to go the ants. Ant. Yeah, exactly. And that's a challenge for a human like me, a mortal like you and I, with brains and with and blessing of intelligence that set us apart from the rest of the animals. Now the Lord sends us to actually go and learn from these small animals on how they are doing their work. I've actually observed a few okay. at some point. And then you see uh, the, the, uh, it's like there's a traffic when they form that line. You see, it's like there's a traffic whereby some are coming, and others are leaving. You see, these ones that are coming, they, they're actually carrying food, and so others are leaving. See, it's like they, now they are going to, to find more food. So you see, that even that organization, and they don't have a leader, something that is quite astonishing to uh, our simple brains. Sure, that is true. And actually, it's very interesting. I'm sure most of us, uh, if not all, can relate to that. Sometimes I've just been seeing, you see two of them, and they carry a car load. Okay, to them it is a load, and to us it is very small, some white stuff. And to them it is food. And they, they carry two of them, and they just, and you wonder, where, where are they going, and where, when will they even be there? <laughs> and even uh, the anthill, you come and find a huge anthill mounted, and you're like, so these creatures, you know, they did all this and you wonder. It's just awesome and unique how, yeah, and we, are, we can actually appreciate the fact that we are being told to go to the end. It is not being diminished, but actually they are wise and 
working without a leader when we sometimes we always have to wait to be followed up you know do this and do this you are assigned you are reminded you are followed up on so it's like everything we cannot just do things on our own so that, they have yeah and actually something uh came to my mind is yeah. that they're actually good planners and they don't just plan they execute and, and i think that's why in proverbs 16 we are told that commit your work before the lord and they will establish your plans uh, so I think we also need to be planners and, and visualize what lies ahead and prepare. I mean, we don't just sit, we just don't sit down and wait calamities to strike. And then we're like, oh, see, when you can even see God is warning Noah and telling him, you know what? Flood is coming. So for flood, because flood is coming, can you prepare an ark? So I think this is that wisdom of planning even for the times of calamities that they, when calamities come, they find us ready. Then the good thing is that we saw our Lord Jesus Christ when all times is there with us and we bank our hope and trust trust in him. Yeah. So don't sit there waiting and then things go away and then you go to, and start blaming God. Yeah. Actually, we are to blame, so we just have to accept and own this. Just imagining, uh, um, you know, like, we, like for example, in our case right now, we have approximately one month towards exams. Yeah. And you say, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> they can do anything through Christ with students. So I don't plan, I don't strategize, I don't advise. But then now when exams come and then I am there. Hey, I'm the I miss the pastor in the name. Like, but the Lord, you say that you are always with us. Well, what, what happened? So we see this, this that necessity of planning ahead for things that had come. That's very elaborate. And Nakaj, even as we look at all this and how it's interesting, we find that Comparing maybe to our generation today, there's, there's quite a contrast. When you look at all these values you're being told to imitate, uh, we don't have most of them. And you find that we are in a generation of lazy people, sorry to, to say so, but I think I am right to say so because I'm one of them and I know. Yeah. Uh, there's this sluggardness, there is laziness. People don't do things right. You find that maybe, let's say, uh, we are students, so we can relate most to the uh, our immediate environments, we can use that as an example. Like just uh, what Bonias just said, you, you've you been having a whole semester. And now may, maybe when you have one week to exams, now you want to cram the whole, you know, the whole syllabus. You have, you have one unit that has a, a PDF with 800 pages and there are seven or there are nine or there are ten. And now you want to cram everything overnight. You see, such things, they happen. I mean, you, you can just expound on that, how it happens and, and maybe how we can correct on that. We can imitate the ant and stop doing what we are doing and do have things right. Okay. Uh, thank you once again, Nicole. And I think the greatest issue here yeah. actually is knowing, uh, rather discerning what to do at the right time. Because uh, just using the same case study of students, we have a whole semester. Let's say we have three months before we get to the exam. Mm -hmm. But you'll find in the first month, someone would devote the whole month to settling into the semester. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole first month, you've done nothing. It's just like, oh, now I need to plan, I need to make a timetable, uh, I, I need to be going, begin going to, 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 to classes and all that. And uh, it's, it's interesting yeah. And then you find in the second month, you're overwhelmed. You have a lot of catching up to do. And people throw their hands into the air. And mm -hmm. they're like, ah, it's too much. I can't even let me rest, you know. 
this is campus. We didn't come to struggle. <laughs> we have to rest. The, in the third month, in the third month, you have a lot of cuts yeah. to work around. So you're busy here with cuts, reports, and everything, assignments. You find very little time to actually read and prepare. And the fourth month uh, catches up with you. You have exams. It's a few days to exams. It's a match, football match. <laughs> we need to. Well, you think you need to go and watch. And it's it's interesting because people forget that the primary, people forget their primary reason for being somewhere. You know, some time back I was sharing with my dad yeah. and uh, he told me something that struck me. And say that today, if you if you want to prioritize friends, you want to prioritize uh, just your own things. You want to go to places, you, you want to enjoy, you want to go bike riding, you want to go swimming and forget your academics, then try go that direction and see if you lose, uh, if you you actually seize being a student there, try and see if you'll still be able to do those. I mean, I, I can I can enjoy the warmth of the fellowship, even uh, using that example of fellowship, I can enjoy the warmth of the fellowship of the Christian Union only if I'm a student. If I would cease being a student today, I, I wouldn't be relevant in the Christian Union. I can enjoy probably some funding, uh, some high, would have friends, just because I relate to them on the basis of, of I being a student. But if I was to stop being a student today and probably go back home, I wouldn't be able to do all that. So it's people misunderstanding their season people misunderstanding what to prioritize and what not to prioritize, and people are just being uh, ignorant. Because uh, look at what Christ tells his disciples when he, when, he, when he talks about the Holy Spirit. It's interesting because today we want to rely on the Holy Spirit to pass for exams that we didn't read. <laughs> Yet Christ, in, in his talk with the disciples, he tells them that end he will remind you what I've taught you. I, I, that normally strikes me. I mean, there has to be some teaching forthand. You must have done something yes. forthand. The, the disciples had to learn from Christ, had to sit down with him, had to follow him. You can imagine the journeys that Christ used to take. The disciples had to walk with him through all that journey such that even after he had gone and the Holy Spirit had come, the Holy Spirit will now remind them of what Christ had taught them. And now he would help them also to obey everything that he had taught them. So I think it's critical for us students now curbing this whole issue of laziness. It's, it's very critical for us to understand our purpose in this season. Yes. It's, it's critical for us to understand that probably I'm not in Jacob, create a million friends or to create uh, probably uh, to get my first million uh, when in school so that someone gets into so many businesses out there and forgets his academics. It's critical to prioritize what comes first. My academics in this season probably would talk of me building up my salvation. It's very important that I do that in this season because that is why 
I am here. Yes, thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. I love the insights. So this applies not only to students, but wherever you are, it is always important that you understand the season you are in and what is required of you. Yeah, so I think I won't uh, add much into that. Nyakach has given an elaborate uh, explanation of that. So maybe just to conclude, you can give us the final words. You can, uh, what you'd like to share with the audience, even as we come to a conclusion. It's been an amazing session for me. I hope it has been for you too. Yeah. Uh, Nyakach, you can begin. Okay, thank you once again, Nicole. It has indeed been an amazing session. Uh, just sharing insights, uh, getting to think of these these issues, uh, especially in the book of Ruth. It's very easy to just look at it in a very romantic way and think probably uh, I would want this from my proposal, I would want this, and, and forget actually that book isn't there for that purpose. That yeah. book is there to edify us. It is there to build us up in our Christian journey. So it's very interesting to look at it in that in that. Uh, perspective and even just the whole issue of going to the ant we think the ants uh, can easily say you know we're small uh, you know let, let the elephants do the, the the heavy task let the elephants build the now probably elephant hill <laughs> they still do it so I believe wherever you are you you're able to act on these things you're able to go out of your way I mean, don't just be comfortable, but go out of your way and uh, fully and maximally utilize uh, the time that you have all for the glory of God. Because all this actually points us to glorifying God. Mm -hmm. That whatever space you are in, time and space that you are in today, you're still able to do exceedingly uh, much that people will see your life and actually wonder uh, what, what is different. And uh, it, it, it will be a living testimony. It will be a living testimony of how uh, knowing the Lord is a blessing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Boni, as we finish. Uh, yes, thank you, Nicole. Uh, my parting words is that, um, well, uh, the book of Ruth, as you can say, is not just an historical book. Uh, or even a romantic book giving a story of romance between Ruth and Boaz or even um, how these two women were quite loyal and loving one another. But uh, it's actually a book that points us to Christ uh, showing us how uh, we came about to being redeemed and uh, belonging to the family of God and that is through Christ as our Redeemer. And also it was quite interesting uh, to see us being pointed out to and Yes. And um, that, that actually reminds us that one thing we see, a man in a perfect world, in a perfect garden, that is Eden, he is a worker. And therefore God has actually called and invited us to, to work. And that's why he's so much quite against laziness, as we can see um, in his holy, holy scriptures. And for that quickens all of us, you and I, mm -hmm. to put work into our hearts uh, to the honor and uh, glory of God. Because that is what he has made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you so much uh, to our guests and also thank you so much to our viewers and maybe those who are watching us. I would like to also hear from you and know what you think about our sessions. So feel free to comment. Uh, you can also like and share uh, on, on Facebook, in Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, at JQuartCU Podcasts. So yeah, all of them. And you can also follow us on our website at www.jquartcu.org. Otherwise, uh, have a lovely day, season. May the Lord bless you so much. Amen. Amen.